This is Trav Johnson with the Access a Story podcast, discovering more about faith formation, culture, and the story of God. You can follow us at accessastory.com or you can follow me at travjohnson.com. Welcome to the Upper Room of Brooklyn Park Church of Christ once again for our conversation around the story of God. Um, this is our third podcast, actually session two technically, yeah. uh, if you're going to be technical about it. Um, that it, And it's a conversation unpacking some of the content we've been through with the first retreat for Sherpa. So welcome, Nate. Thank you. Welcome, Adrian. Thank you, Travis. Pointing to the right people at the right time. Thank you. Using good. the right names. You're getting really good at Thanks. this. Thank you. Very good. Yep. Yeah. I'm a good host, aren't yeah. I? Excellent. Yeah. One of the very best. Wow. It's good that we're wearing name tags just for you as well. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> yeah. Just to make it easy for Trav. Yeah, okay. So many things you're giving away. One of the things I wanted to share was just a, uh, a couple of paragraphs out of It's actually a camper info sheet that we send out to uh, the experience that we run. Um, and it says this, everyone loves a good story. How many times has a movie, a book or song made you feel something, something deep and meaningful or something you can't even describe? Stories have the power to take us on a journey. They take us to places we've never been, introducing us to people we've never met. For hundreds of years, around campfires, in homes and at small gatherings, people have been telling a story that surpasses all others. It is a story more amazing than any myth or legend. There's a good chance you have heard some of this story before, but now you have the opportunity to come and experience it in a way you will never forget. Um, and for me, that gives, obviously, there's a there's a sense where there's a picture to that, and we intentionally do that, uh, I guess, provide a mental image for uh, youth and young adults as they prepare to come to our Verge experience, where they walk through the story of God, and it's presented in seven episodes, seven parts over the course of four days, uh, and it's been a great experience. Uh, and so often, when we talk to young people who've been through that, their mental image, when they talk about the story of God or the Bible, is, well, when we did verge it was like this mm. um, and there are a lot of mental images that um, we could probably reference when we think about the bible um, my question to you guys as we start off today is when you think of mental images or pictures that uh, are reference points for you guys with with the bible what what comes to mind there's a couple certainly for me as growing up when i was kind of first exposed to scripture and had bible studies and Bible memorization quizzes and things like that. Things like um, basic instructions before leaving earth was a classic one. I was always told that the Bible was God's love letter to me. Because the the unconscious image and story I, I was given was more that the Bible was about behavior modification. And so for me, the Bible was a book of what not to do, but also a book of what to do in order to get into heaven. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's good. I think uh, we talk a lot about the Bible being a library, so yeah. recognising that it's not one book, it's a series of books, and I think that's a really important image to hold on to as well. Yep. Yep. And when you think about some of those, what's, uh, what value do you um, do associate uh, with them? Because the reality is uh, some of them are going to provide a real anchor point at certain parts of our own spiritual formation or, uh, or, or certain things we're going through. A love letter, for example, is another one uh, that uh, can have some real, it can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I know that we've had a conversation before, Adrian, about the, the journey of, of our own discipleship pathway, sometimes those pictures aren't 
as mm. helpful. Um, what, what's a, you know, are there alternatives that uh, that you guys have uh, thought through? Yeah, I mean, probably the, the one that has become really significant for me is I've read a lot of MT Wright's content as he talks about, you know, he breaks the Bible up into a five-act play and he talks about, you know, we currently live in the fifth act, the act of, of the church. And he talks about us being participants in the unfolding story of Scripture. So so we are a part of this, this Bible story as opposed to being bystanders, you know, um, passive observers. We're actually participants. And so you then dig into the questions, well, what does it mean to be a participant in God's unfolding story? Mm. So we don't view the Bible as a book of history, a book of stuff that, that happened, a book of, of, of laws and things like that. We, it's, it's this unfolding story. We are almost writing a chapter in the Bible through the lives we lead and our interactions and what we do with our lives. So for me, that's been quite a significant shift in how I understand the Bible, the questions that I bring to Scripture, and then kind of how I how I make sense of it and how I apply or don't apply scripture to my life. Mm. So the um, the idea of story is uh, like it, you know, it's fairly fairly it's fairly common. So it's emerging as a fairly common kind of picture that we we'd use for understanding the Bible. Um, and one of the things that I've found helpful is to think about the story of God being the Word of God, as in the, the Bible, I suppose, um, uh, but also the work of God. So the story of God isn't just something that, that happened, it's happening yeah. now. Um, one of the things that uh, that I'd like to unpack a little bit more is if we're going to talk about the story of God, and what, what is that? What's the dominant thrust of the story of God? Um, Nate, did you have some thoughts on that? Yeah, it is a really important question because I think the majority of us, uh, as we've grown up, normally the story that we hear, so if we can get our heads around the fact that it's not just a love letter to me, it's not just a set of guidelines about how to live life in a healthy way, it is about this story that's unfolding that is God's big story. Um, For most of us, that story looks like God created this perfect world that was amazing and two perfect people who then came into it and then ruined everything by making a decision to do the opposite of what God wanted them to do. God sat around scratching his head for a few thousand years trying to work out what to do about that and eventually said, Jesus, you go and sort it out. (laughs) He did. And so we're very fortunate that Jesus came and, and fixed the mess so now we better not mess it up again. And the image that we get of God then from that story is God is this kind of distant almost angry father or grandfather figure who kind of had a perfect house that was really beautiful and everything was in its place and we were messing around as kids and we knocked the vase over and smashed it (laughs) so he came along or Jesus came along and fixed the vase and put it back together and put it back in place and then very sternly looks at us and shakes his finger and says don't mess it up again and just sit there and behave yourselves (laughs) until I come back and so that's the mindset that we can then have yeah about that and that's it's so very different to what I think we understand that the story is supposed to be about yep um, so what what is the what is the difference? One of the Great things, question. One of the Trav. things that uh, so I'll, I'll preface um, your answer if that's all right with uh, part of story is that there's a there's a conflict or there's something standing in the way of the main character accomplishing or mm. or, or seeing to seeing what they want to come to fruition come to fruition. Mm. There's, a, there's this challenge or there's this 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 crisis if you like. Yep. It's very easy to go well the crisis is obvious 
it's Genesis 3. Mm-hmm. Humans rebelled and everything went to muck. Yep. Uh, and so if you're saying actually there's an, possibly an alternative conflict or an alternative crisis that mm. God was responding to, what is the crisis? Yeah, I think the conflict for God is if we understand, as Scripture teaches us, that God existed since before time as Father, Son and Holy Spirit, then there's perfect community that's already there. So another part of the other narrative is this idea that God kind of created us because he was lonely or something or looking for some playthings. So if we understand that God has always existed in perfect unity, in perfect community, with perfect love existing, then the conflict becomes this is so amazing, how do we give it away to more people? And so now God's intent in creation is to create people so that he can share the love of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit with us. And so that's why Trinitarian theology, as complex as it is, is something that we really want to hold on to Mm. because it changes our whole understanding of the purpose behind creation. Mm. But we also understand, particularly from Ephesians, that if God's plan since before the beginning of time was always to adopt us into his family, then it's not this God created it, we messed it up, God tried to work out what to do and then pushed Jesus in since the beginning of time there was always a plan that at the right time Jesus would come and complete everything necessary for us to be able to be welcomed into that family and to experience that love 100% of the time yep so God longs to express himself he longs to he's inviting us in to be part of his family uh, certainly the narrative of you know, all of that narrative in scripture is in, important for us to understand more of what what God is like and in ultimately the person of Jesus we, yeah. we get to see what God's truly like yeah, as he right. engaged with people as, as he went to the cross and the resurrection so all of that yeah. reveals more and more of who God is um, one of the things that we did at the first Sherpa retreat was we we spent some time looking at the first part of this story right up to the, really the end of the Old Testament. Uh, we had people remain in that in that space. Um, I, I, I know that we've had some good conversations around this note, so I'm going to ask you again: like, what's the what's the value we find in this journey that uh, God has with His people, the people of Israel, uh, throughout the Old Testament? Certainly, they're, they're the people who are the people of promise, where Jesus is uh, as the one who was promised to come. Um, he, he emerges from amongst them. Um, but uh, uh, we've talked in, in regards to some of the, I guess, what we discover through God's uh, journeying with uh, the people of Israel. Did you want to unpack that? Yeah, it's bit? a really important question because I think all of us, once we start reading the Old Testament, scratch our heads to say, what on earth is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> because if we believe that Jesus came to show us what God's like, it's like, well, who's this guy in the Old Testament then? Because this seems to make no sense. But normally that's because we've just heard a bunch of Bible stories here and there. And the picture that's been painted again is of that angry God. Why do you people keep messing this up? Don't make me come down there and smite you. (laughs) So that's the picture that we have of God. But in actual fact, what we see throughout the Old Testament is God giving the people of Israel consistently an opportunity to say, here's what it looks like to live the way that I created you to live in community perfectly with my love at the centre of who you are. And the Israelites saying consistently, thanks for your advice, God, but we're not interested. (laughs) We'll go this way instead. So the Old Testament is actually this beautiful picture of God's faithfulness where he consistently doesn't give up on them but says, okay, I'll let you make these choices even though I know they're not the best, but ultimately at some point you'll wake up to yourselves and then you'll come back 
and I'll be waiting for you. Mm. This is what it looks like to live the way that I created you to live in perfect community. Mm. <laughs> so try and do that this time. Mm. And they say thanks but no thanks and off they wander again and then come back. So that's a part of the value of the Old Testament is seeing the faithfulness of God with a bunch of people who can't get it right. Yeah. And I think the Old Testament also helps us recognise that it doesn't actually matter. We have this naive thought that we can, if we work hard enough, we'll actually get there. Mm-hmm. And the Old Testament is just the beautiful picture of humanity in general where it doesn't matter how many chances we get. We'll just continually mess it up, continually find the loopholes mm-hmm. and continually walk away from being able to live it perfectly. What I've found time and time again is that when we've provided opportunities for the telling of the whole story, uh, it actually informs the formation of people in a much richer manner. There's a there's a, a more robust platform for people to understand who God is and what it means to be in relationship with him. And the question I want to ask is in regards to why is this important for our formation, so have a think about that. But um, what I've found is that as we've told the story, there's certain characters that pop up that intersect with the you know certain characters that go to a camp or certain characters that we walk with uh, through discipleship um, our discipleship processes uh, where you know if I'm told the story of of Cain and Abel and I'm having a having a, a blue um, that's an Australian uh, colloquialism <laughs> for anyone who's listening outside of Australia um, but we have a, we have an argument with or, or, or there's tension in our family or there's unresolved stuff that's going on. Um, it's 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 it can be sometimes freeing for a young person to see, wow, that's that's in this story. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's that's shaped the entire narrative of humanity mm-hmm. where people don't get on, um, and somehow God continues to journey with them. And um, you know, so there's yeah. there's some there's some real value in telling the in telling the whole story. Just in in those moments of intersection, I've found. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what about you guys? What have you found in regards to value? The value of formation um, when we think about the the whole story of God. Yeah, I know for me when I first discovered this, which was quite a while ago now, (laughs) um, it was just massively enlightening. It's like, why have I never heard this before? Because I think I'd grown up with that same mindset that we talked about earlier, that the Bible is a guidebook and it's a list of things to do and don't do. So when you all of a sudden step back and recognise actually the Bible is this amazing unfolding narrative that's all about God and what he's up to and what he has done, yes, but also what he is doing and what he's going to do. And amazingly, I've got a place in that story. Mm. It just kind of shifts everything. But it also does provide some context to be able to say the Bible is also this amazing story of God using absolutely imperfect people who a lot of the time make mistakes that are far more significant than the ones that I'm going to make. It's Mm. doubtful that I'll go and kill someone or (laughs) do a bunch of the things we see Old Testament characters doing, and yet God was still able to use those people. So that gives us a sense of hope, and then Jesus comes along and even the people that he picks, so we then see that unfold, that he chooses the least likely. So God's story is not this story of him picking the best and brightest and saying, well, again, if you can get your life right, then I can use you, but... Actually, it's the people who surrender themselves to him, acknowledge their weaknesses and their flaws. Um, They're the ones that God seems to be able to use. And those people then have a massive impact, Mm. um, not just on what happens then, but as you said, then on the unfolding story that continues Mm. on from there. Mm. 
I think that's really powerful. And again, I think when when I was younger, and my understanding of scripture, and I guess how I was initially exposed and taught scripture, was that you know the Abrahams, the Isaacs, the, the Jacobs of of the Old Testament were incredible characters and had such incredible faith, you know, oh, to be, you know, yeah, to be a like, fingernail yeah, from right. their hands, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's been really interesting as a family over the last couple of months, um, three, four nights a week as we sit and have tea together, we're, we're kind of reading through the, the narrative of Scripture and we're still in Genesis, but we read a couple of pages and then I just ask a couple of questions of, of my family. And, and one of the things as we've talked through uh, again, characters in the Old Testament. My thirteen-year-old son, Micah, his his face has creased up as we've read some of these stories, and he's and he's. It's like the light has come on for him, and he said, "Dad, how could he have done that? Like, what, you know, what, why did Abraham say that? What, what, really surprised, really shocked mm. that these fathers of the of the faith in the Old Testament did some really terrible things. They messed up big time, and as Nate said." They did things that we will never do. Mm. And so to watch my 13-year-old son kind of go, wow, they they were messed up people, Dad. Yeah. Yep, they were. They did some really, really stupid, dumb things. But, yeah. but how did God respond to that? And so why are they in the Bible? What is it about them that, that is so important? Mm. And so to ask those sorts of questions, I think, humanises some of these people mm. in the Bible. And I see that in, in my 13-year-old son suddenly kind of goes, okay, they, these were real people. This is the story about how God was faithful to them and in turn, how is God faithful to me and what does that look like for me? Mm. That's good. So we've we've thought about this idea of the mental image of the Bible. We've provided some alternatives to that um, and uh, to, to the mental images that we tend to default to. Uh, we've thought about uh, the, the, the dominant thrust of the narrative as well. We've thought about how um, so one of the ways to... Uh, understand that thrust I think is to think in terms of what is God responding to and uh, yes obviously he's responded in the story uh, to human rebellion but before then he's responded to his own longing mm. to express mm. himself and to invite um, in, in, to invite other the other into into the community of, of who God is mm. uh, and so that begins to help us see uh, some of the intent and heart of God right throughout this narrative and we've also thought about um, uh, even the the the, uh, the value of the, the having a, a greater context uh, for our formation and a greater sense of meaning as we uh, see how this story intersects with our own lives and thanks Adrian for sharing you know even even in your own family um, telling a story asking a couple of questions um, humanizes this this story they're real people uh, who've been wrestling with God for generations and yeah. we um, get to understand more of what God's like as we allow ourselves to, uh, I guess, be immersed in this narrative. Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the questions I think is really important for us as we round this conversation out is well, where, do we, where do we go to grow um, like in this, uh, in the, again, in the past, for me, uh, the the Bible has uh, often been limited to the idea of this is the manual for life, and it, and it is. There's some really good principles that we draw out of the scriptures in order. You know, there's some great things that Jesus says, that Paul says, mm-hmm. um, that even even in the the Old Testament commandment stuff, there's some really helpful stuff there that to advise my choices, etc. Um, but when I was limiting it to uh, the the idea of a of a manual. Now, what do you use a manual for? You use a manual uh, when you first buy a product. 
uh, perhaps, mm. <laughs> and you use a manual when things go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that mental image for me wasn't wasn't helpful, and I've needed to grow my understanding of what the Bible actually is and, and how that speaks into what God's doing as His story now. Um, so there's things that there's you know like this podcast, there's reading I've done, um, but there's also some practices I've built into my own life to I guess help. Um, uh, help myself be shaped by uh, the narrative of scripture rather than the cultural narratives we talked about before. Yeah. Um, the, I guess the question is, where do you guys go to grow in your understanding and interaction with the story of God? Yeah, that, that's a great question, and I, and I think it comes down to to the disciplines that we put into our lives to grow in our discipleship. Having said that, I find it really hard. I find it really, really hard to be disciplined. So the right response to you, Travis, would be <laughs> um, prayer, reading scripture, being in community with others. Mm. You know, I think I think they're the three key things. I find prayer and Bible reading really, really hard. It's a discipline I, I, I have to almost make myself do. Um, and so that, that's an ongoing challenge for me. And a part of it is kind of going, well, how do I engage with, with Scripture? You know, I've found um, listening to podcasts, watching things like the Bible Bible Project, series of them on, uh, online, really, really helpful because I'm, I, I learn visually. I love story and they are great like that. For me to sit down and read a chunk of Scripture, I find really hard. Mm. But, but sometimes I kind of go, no, I need to just sit with the text in front of me and just just. Uh, muse over it and just say, God, what are you what are you saying to me through it? So for me, it's a discipline, and sometimes I do okay at that. Sometimes I really don't do very well at that. Mm. Yeah, I think we're really fortunate that this is something that's become much more normal, yeah. um, and so there are more and more resources that have been developed around it. And so, I agree, the Bible Project is fantastic, yes. even in terms of just being able to get an understanding of what is going on and which part of the story it fits into, and an yeah. introduction for each of the different books. It's really, really great. Um, but I also think some of it is just the right questions. So, as you said, around the dinner table for your family, uh, I think that's one of the things that I've really appreciated about the resources that you've developed, Trav. That there is um, some really simple, good questions that we can do any time that we approach scripture um, to be able to just sit with it and be able to say, well, what does this teach me about God? Where does this fit into the whole narrative and how does this help me understand more about the overarching picture of what God's on about? as well as the stuff of what does this mean for me, what does this mean for us as a community. But I think it's so important to do that together. So one of the mistakes I think that we have made culturally is that we have been very focused on my personal quiet time and I agree that that is something very important to do. But we do grow and learn much better by getting other people's perspectives. And so that's where I think the value of meeting together regularly and being able to unpack the same text together, again, with some similar questions. I think we don't need to overcomplicate that. We don't need massive curriculums around it. But just to be able to say, let's read through some of this and wrestle with some of these questions and learn from each other, that can be very formative too. Uh, one of the things I did yesterday was uh, visited with some prefects at uh, a Christian school and these prefects are looking to facilitate a spiritual life week uh, for their student body and so they've asked me to come and just assist them in that And uh, because I just talk about storytelling and how they could do storytelling and stuff like that and the teacher says, 
Trav, would you demonstrate that for us? Because I'm not sure <laughs> these guys really understand what you mean. Because it's quite different to how we normally do, you know, Bible stuff mm. at school, he said. Mm. Uh, I said, well, okay, I had my son with me and and, um, and, and Tom, he was my ride because uh, I didn't have a car, so he just came to the meeting with me. I said, Tom, would you just put some background music on your phone? Because it's often helpful, I find, in the, in the storytelling uh, kind of environment. And so he put some instrumental music on and I found a, just a small passage out of one of our... Uh, narrative books that unpacked the resurrection uh, and uh, just told the story. Mm. Uh, and Tom, I wanted Tom to turn the music off, but he didn't. It kept going. It actually created this really nice vibe uh, around 10 or ten or 12 students and I said, what's to that? Yeah. And it was so meaningful. Yeah. Some of the things they shared were just really powerful. And uh, what, what do you think the characters felt mm. in this? Um, mm. And again, they were just so connected with the story. And you can see it, uh, you can hear it from what they were saying, but see it in their eyes as there's things that they were discovering that they'd never discovered yes. before when something was so familiar to them. And um, I've found that when we push into the space of moving past the individualistic, this is about my spiritual journey, to doing this together, to yeah. going, uh, to, do, to stepping into God's story together, it can be really powerful as far as our own formation goes. Mm. So so my answer to the question in growing is is uh, finding those spaces in community, like you've said, Adrian, uh, where we're willing to uh, just let this, you know, step into this story and let it inform who we are, let it inform you know, why we're here, let it inform the choices that we're making. And, uh, and that's the value uh, that I think that we're wanting to articulate with this particular conversation is when we think about Sherpa, when we think about the questions of who am I, why am I here, uh, what am I supposed to be doing with my time and resources, if those questions are being informed by stories that are counterfeit or stories that are um, aren't nearly as valuable as a story of God, uh, then we miss out. Um, yeah. But if we allow the opportunity for God's story to be infused with our story, then the questions of, you know, the answers to who am I, um, why do I exist, what am I supposed to be doing are so much richer and so much more meaningful yeah. and can have so much more impact in the lives of others. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if you guys wanted to, to share anything else, but um, uh, I've found our convo really helpful today. Yeah. It's been great. Yeah. Thanks again. Thanks. Thank you. You've been with Trav Johnson on the Access to Story podcast, discovering more about faith formation, culture, and the story of God. Remember, follow us on accessthestory.com, or you can catch up with me on travjohnson.com.